The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Hi, welcome to another annual installation of the spin-offs Superpod. My name's Leone Hayden, and I'm also joined by my co-host. Jane Yee. Hi. <laughs> um, so nice to have you all listening to this, and so nice to have everyone in the studio. Leone, you will know from the amazing podcast that is was on the rag. I, was. I, I refuse to believe that it's died its total death. I know that sometimes these things can come back to... It might. It to, just might. It might. Who knows? Uh, but we have, we've got a whole lot of other people in the studio here. In fact, it's quite warm. Um, it seems very quiet. Can everyone just... Maybe a little a little whoop, a little cheer, a little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's 2020, isn't it? Okay. So I'm Jane Yee. I'm podcast manager here at the spin-off as of about June this year. But I've been um, tootling around the edges hosting the real pod for many, many a year uh, for the spin-off and also um, host of the Coming Home series that Duncan and I did together. So I feel like this is a good time to introduce Duncan Grieve, managing editor of the spin-off, also my co-host on Coming Home, uh, my co-host on The Real Pod, <laughs> and monopod extraordinaire host of The Fold. You have more podcasts than anyone else in this room. Yeah, it's um, it's incredibly indulgent of me, and and apologies in advance for my extra gravelly voice. I've I've already done an hour solo monopod today, and uh, I'm feeling it right now. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to say for the whole thing now. Uh, representing Gone by Lunchtime, Ben Thomas and Toby Manhire. Uh, Gone by Lunchtime has been a raging success this year. I'm very proud of what you guys have done. Uh, welcome along to the Superpod 2020. Not, not just anyone can just talk off the top of their heads about politics <laughs> to a disinterested audience for <laughs> an hour every <laughs> week to month. I'm sorry to say Annabelle Lee uh, Matheris, who is comfortably the most popular of the Gone by Lunchtime trio, isn't here today. Uh, so apologies for that. Yeah, we, we miss her. Um, but we do have a podcast to carry on with, so we'll just keep going around the room. Leonie, uh, we've already, we'd already spoken to. Alice Neville. And Simon Day from Dietary Requirements. Kilda. Nice to have you guys here. It's nice a to, be to be here. here. It's also Alice's birthday. Yay! 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 So not only is this Superpod 2020, it's Alice Neville's Super Birthday. Super Birthday 2020. That's right. How's it going, Alice? Ah, uh, it's yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. She's, pretty good. She's about to, to get at loose. Work, having a beer. Great. Doing a pod. The big four O. No, fuck off. <laughs> I'm 27. I'm not 27. I'm not 40 either. Representing Paper Cuts, our lovely books podcast, is Louisa Cossa. And unfortunately, we don't have Kiran and uh, Jenna with us today, but we only have so many microphones anyway. So you're flying the good flag. 
Kia Thank you. Thank you for, for coming along. Um, we also are missing Simon Pound, our very enthusiastic business guy who hosts Business is Boring but wasn't able to be with us here today. Um, other hosts we're missing? Sophie Gilmore we're missing. Alex Casey. Alex Casey and Michelle. Michelle Accord. Accord. Anyone else? Is Ben uh, Thomas here? No, I haven't seen him. heard from him, I'm afraid. Apparently Stop it doesn't exist. Stop it's turning me down on the books. <laughs> 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 okay, I just wanted to quickly say thank you to all our various sponsors that we've had uh, this year for our podcast. Kiwi Bank, Freedom Farms, Flick Electric, Callahan Innovation, Vodafone, Nando's. Anyone else? Have I missed anyone? I think that's everyone. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the lowlights, the highlights, the big events and the issues uh, from 2020. The year that was just a, I just probably not much to say. Pretty quite unremarkable little, year, really. Quite a little year. Yeah. Duncan, we'll start with you. Sure. The low light was the collapse of Bauer, I think, in, you know, in terms of just like a seismic event that hit the media industry. Um, it came, I think it was early April, just just as everyone, was, you know, there was no, no flaw on how bad this could get from both a sort of a health and a business perspective. And... It was literally like a 9 a.m. on a Friday Zoom call that, you know, 250-odd people found out that they wouldn't have jobs anymore, that all these kind of historically important titles were just effectively vanished uh, from the shelves. And the, you know, that was just a super traumatic event that, that, that I think made everyone who worked there just hearts go out for them. But everyone else in the media was like, oh, maybe it's just weeks before that's us as well. So that was within our sector, I think, you know, just an event like we'll never see. And in terms of the highlight, I kind of flipped that on its head. I think, weirdly, given that it's an industry already in peril that went through some really hard stuff, the number of green shoots that have come out of this industry, A, the whole thing rediscovered its its purpose and, and was, you know, probably... There was more media consumed in New Zealand than there has been in years. But, um, you know, things like Hanel uh, Harris's Sis was probably my, my pick for local TV show of the year. Yeah. Discovery buying uh, three was just a nuts, um, you know, thing for, for a station that looked like it was going to shut down a year ago. Here and Ensemble and Metro and North and South and School Road and all the, the stuff that came out of, of Bauer. And I uh, just want to give a little shout out to, to David Farrier's Webworm, which for a you know, throughout the year kind of broke these weird queasy scoops and showed how, you know, just a new idea and, uh, you know, the, the Substack format could um, could just very quickly develop a, a sort of a new product that with a, with a big audience that, that, that did a lot of excellent work this year. Thanks, Dunk. Second monopod of the day. We'll move on to the Gone By Lunchtime team. Do you, guys, you guys got separate separate entries for lowlights and highlights, or have you discussed prior? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what am no, I even yeah. thinking? No, we haven't spoken since the last word of the last podcast. That's yeah, probably uh, fair to say. Yeah, to- to- Toby only talks to me when he's on the clock. Oh, <laughs> when he's on the mic. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, I did, low, low light something to do with the virus? Oh, great virus! Yeah, the I mean, some people would say Whoa. some people would say it was um, the low light was the the bottom dropping out of the economy, record GDP hit in the second quarter, rising unemployment to a level we haven't seen since what about ooh, for about ten years or so. Um, I would say the the horrible and utter indignity of the National Party this year, um, just the sort of 
bizarre kind of cartoonish escapade, you know. You Are you know, talking highlight or low light right this, now? This is low light. <laughs> um, was, you know that episode of The Simpsons where like Bart's broken his leg and he's got a cast and he tries to move from house to house and, you know, and then he, he stands in a waste paper basket and by the time he gets there, <laughs> he's got like a hose tied around it and like a dog on a leash dragged behind. And that kind of felt like the National Party this year, like just sort of lurching from bizarre disaster to sort of self-made own goal to, um, and and just just the limitless um, the limitless capacity for like sowing their own destruction in just completely new new and interesting ways. Um, and every, every time they sort of thought that they had kind of cauterized mm-hmm. it, you know, they got rid of Simon Bridges and they brought on Todd Muller, which <laughs> turned out to be like an ex- <laughs> an exciting adventure into the unknown. Um, and then they, they got rid of, of Muller and they were like, and, and they were in the throes of the Hamish Walker, Michelle Bogue, confidential patient detail leaks and they thought they would they were out of the woods once that was sort of you know burned to a sort of sealed stump and then the Andrew Falloon sexting thing came Mm. up and it it just uh, you know it was just incredible watching this party that had developed a, 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 a reputation for discipline just implode um and I mean in a way it it showed that you know all of, all of us in 2020 were just like messy bitches who couldn't get our shit together. <laughs> um, and that, you know, a, a formerly impervious sort of political party could, you know, was was just the same as all of us. So it was very humanising. Messy bitches who couldn't get our shit together would probably have been a better strap line for the billboards than At least they would have been honest and relatable, you know. It's like their whole year had the Benny Hill theme running in the background. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, were t- there were two days where I was like, and I think they might have even been two days in a row where I was woken up by producers going like, can, can you call into the show to talk about, you know, the resignation? And I'd be like, what resignation? And there were also a whole lot of days that you can forget easily happened, like that incredible day in Parliament after the reshuffle where Nikki Kay, among other things, announced that Paul Goldsmith was, of course, Ngati Pirou. And <laughs> the Andrew Falloon thing, I'd forgotten about that until recently. It's just a whole catalogue. The, the incredible despair, sort of really. glitching Westworld trip down Ponsonby the Road. Ponsonby Road Oh, God. <laughs> That's true. Maybe that should be made into a kind of we should make a video game out of the can you make it from one end of Ponsonby Road to the other without <laughs> encountering Hamish Price. Yeah, and the, and, and the highlights, <laughs> I guess you could say it was, you know, our world-leading response to COVID, keeping the populace safe, etc. Um, but I, I, I would say it was the amazing TV that came out of <laughs> <laughs> Nationals' cataclysm. Um, and and I, I think Tover O'Brien really... And, and News Hub as a whole really contributed and brought forward the art of political TV in New Zealand um, from their very sort of the thick of its supercut of that day outside the caucus room um, with the Paul Goldsmith, Nati Pirro issue to the Jamie Lee Ross evisceration to, you know, the <laughs> the, the amazing like pan to doleful, doe-eyed oh. Ashley Bloomfield, oh, you know, yeah, we- weeping so. a silent tear behind so David Cameron. Oh. Um, so as a number of people said, that's the first person to have to resign because of a pan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think aesthetically, political coverage took a big step forward this year. Yeah. 
Awesome. Toby? We talk a lot about cinematography on Gone by Lunchtime if anyone wants to <laughs> catch up with that number of available episodes. I was going to say that I was going to say uh, um, quite earnestly that I do think the highlight was the response to the COVID-19 and we sort of take that for granted a bit. Um, but as we stare out around the world, even in the you know dwindling days of 2020, it's pretty extraordinary what was achieved here and I don't think we can really get away without noting that what a sort of small group of people and then a wider group of people around them and what I've chosen to call the team of five million managed to achieve <laughs> together. Um, so well done, all of you. Thank you. Uh, my low light was, what did I put there? Oh, yeah, I was the, one of the things that I think was disappointing to a number of people, including myself, was the cannabis referendum and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of got lost, and uh, a lot of that was out of the control of people behind it. I don't think it was brilliantly run, but I also think uh, even some of us in the media have a little bit of cop to that. Uh, I sort of thought it was strange that the only time that it was debated properly was actually after mm-hmm. the result came in, which isn't the order in which things are meant to run. And on reflection, uh, I feel as though various parts of the media, ourselves included, could have carved off a bit of time to really go hard into the issue and it never really got beyond uh, the surface. So that was a big disappointment because it may not be for some time until that comes around again and there are a lot of people uh, disproportionately Māori in New Zealand who are at the blunt end of that particular law. Mm. Leone. I mean, yes, the cannabis referendum was one of amongst my lowlights as well because I just feel like so many, many thousands of people could have been blown onto the yes side by a gentle breeze mm. or slash a merely competent yes campaign. Um, but I was going to say my my lowlights for the year was sort of right back um, with the early emergence of COVID when, um, you know, iwi around the country were using their mana mosu to close down their borders, protect their people, because they we have this deep historical knowledge of governments not prioritising us. And they were like, this is a damn pandemic. We have dealt with this before and we came out of this badly. We're going to pull out all the stops. The low light is the public's reaction to that. And not just the public, but, you know, people in leadership roles who should know better who may or may not also be Māori, aka Winston and David Seymour. I just found that reaction really, like, upsetting because, as it turned out, that early action in the first lockdown anyway was actually, I think, probably responsible for saving a lot of Māori lives and keeping keeping COVID completely out of a lot of, like, regions of New Zealand. <clears throat> and then, of course, the highlight was, I guess, like, what I just said is, you know, that display of mana motuhake in... I guess people trust it. And it's the checkpoints as well, people, like, reacting to the checkpoints. But the fact that heaps of people did those um, is, like, super cool to me because I feel like 5, 10, 20 years ago they would have just been shut down by police and they would have never even had the chance to to bring that to their area and to their people in that protective way. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then I also thought uh, one of my... It's both a, a highlight and a low light was just over the Black Lives Matter uprising. I just... Uh, obviously, <clears throat> the people who put all of their time and their effort into bringing that movement to life in New Zealand. It's not easy when the issues are sort of based in the US and they're to do with police violence and black culture. 
but it's so important to show our solidarity over here. And, but we're fucking far away. But we're also a culture, Māori and Pacifica people are benefit from black culture. And it was nice to see so many thousands of people like understand that relationship and why that solidarity is needed and like rise up and support. But then it also sort of put heaps more things in our communities back on the table, like our relationship with the police. Um, and I actually feel like that's been super productive, that conversation. I think people are a lot more emboldened to speak out against the police force as a system rather than as individuals. We all know that there are some nice police. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I just think it's been like a really great year for resistance leading to change rather than however many decades and centuries of resistance just being like an exercise and banging your head on a wall, you know. Mm. I feel like I've seen lots of positive movement from it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Lou. Yeah. Dietary requirements. Alice Neville, Simon Day, step up to the mic. Highlight. No, low light. Let's start with a low light. Uh, COVID-19 lockdowns and their crippling <laughs> effect on the hospitality industry. Felt like the media in many ways. Like there was a very, the hospitality sector was right at the tip of the people affected by it and... I just uh, you forget how important those institutions are to your like happiness. Mm. Being able to go out for a beer and a meal makes you feel real good and hang out with your mates in the places that the hospitality sector represents. Having those taken away and seeing how much pressure that sector got put under was a real low light. Yeah, highlight for me. I was going to say uh, people discovering or rediscovering a love of cooking. The flip side, if you will, of not being able to go out. Especially baking sourdough. Baking sourdough. Although that's kind of a low light for me because now I'm not, you know, I used to be kind of cool and special. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like every other basic bitch. Yes, still contributed to the flower drought. Yeah, true. But again, like the media, I think the highlight was watching the green shoots come out of the other side of our COVID response, and there's been heaps of really exciting new openings, there's been really innovative responses to trying to provide uh, different forms of revenue from hospitality joints, and that's equated to like, you know, real bougie versions of my food bag with Sid Sarawat doing the French cafe at home, or... Uh, the way cafes have provided um, really great advice and guidance on how to make that coffee at home to just seeing what I think has come out of the back of it as well is seeing beautiful food get more accessible as well, like pub-style bistro food be available for everyone. I've uh, had our sort of little team lunch at Hotel Ponsonby and the way it was like pub food but fancy as fuck but still not too expensive was really, really exciting and I like that. I like that trend. I'm going there tonight, Simon. It's delicious. For my birthday. Nice. Happy birthday, Alice. <laughs> I feel like everyone came out of, uh, out of lockdown one of two ways, either super fit or super well-fed. And well, you can't, you, I, was, I came out well fed. I don't know a single person who came out of it super fit. Okay, I'm just, that's probably people I'm just assuming people. there is someone out there. No, like right at the beginning, people. you had to like make a call because you're like, I'm not going to see anyone else for, you know, maybe never, but probably at least a month. Yeah. And so you had to decide, am I going to get ripped <laughs> or am I going to like let myself go? And it's this sort of prisoner's dilemma. You've got to kind of second guess what the rest of society is going to do. <laughs> And I made I made my choice, and and the the 
weekend before lockdown finished, I went for my stupid little walk. <laughs> and I saw all of these like lithe people in active wear who had all been doing, you know, yoga with fucking Jasmine or whatever yeah. every day. And I was like, you know, there's no looking back. There's <laughs> you can't. The toothpaste is out of the tube on that one. Yeah. <laughs> See, I did both. I had my 20kg kettlebell that I was swinging around like crazy, but I was also eating maybe 9 to 12 times a day. The 20kg kettlebell is how is that different to you outside <laughs> lockdown? I was sending five so. emails and rewarding myself of a trip to the fridge. Like I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. And yeah. then I'd go and have like a... I'd cook a meal. I feel like this is normal. Like, like Toby said, this is sort of normal, Simon, though, right? I think that would be if I worked from home all the time. Right. I, the, since Duncan banned me from cooking in the office after the last <laughs> fire brigade showed up, <laughs> uh, I can't do that anymore. It's such a shame. Simon also had twins this year, which... Um, Last quite year. A hard I, was, I was going to desperately try really hard not to talk about them because Boxing people will hear about it year. and get emails with the photos in it and even Catherine McGregor's Secret Santa was a framed photo of them. That was incredible. <laughs> 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 just to be very clear about this, Simon Day gave the person that he received as his secret Santee a picture of his own children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all, every Friday we get those, we get pictures of those kids in our yeah. inbox and Simon's out of office. An incredible move. <laughs> they are cute kids. play on that gag, but Catherine was really touched by it. So <laughs> what she said. She was a now. Um, okay, so my low light tonight, you guys have all been very earnest, and so I'm here to, to bring the trash. Oh, Louisa, sorry. Louisa, I did forget. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I was just going to come in after you. But, um, but, no, <laughs> but now I seem like a really sad urchin with my nose pressed up against the glass of this podcast, <laughs> which, which I'm into, To defend honestly. Jane is that um, Alice and Simon are flanking. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Tell us about your lowlights okay. and highlights. Okay, so I'm going to give you lowlights and highlights from the book industry. So obviously um, COVID had some effect, as, as it is an industry, and we sell products. Um, so I would say the lowlights, I'll be brief because it was more of a highlights year, weirdly, for the book industry, I would say. Um, so the lowlight really was when we had the first lockdown in New Zealand, you know, and in the world, but I'm going to talk about New Zealand. And a lot of authors who had been putting their blood, sweat and tears into their books for years, they were prepped and primed to launch their books. That was super nervous because obviously most authors are introverts and hate public speaking, but they were ready. They were ready to do their best. And by God, that opportunity just fucking you know, it was gone. So they had no no market to release their books into because books were also deemed not an essential item. And that was obviously a topic for some discussion in the mm. book industry. So actually there was lobbying going on to get them deemed an essential item, which I think, um, you know, there's pros and cons to that, obviously, because there were also concerns, I think, for people who were retail workers in the book industry. Obviously that would put that, them at risk. So... A lot of confusing horribleness, obviously, just like in every other time we've touched on COVID, it has been about its confusing and horrible aspects. But in highlights, I would say the book industry is fucking flourishing. It's crazy. Apparently, it was like Christmas in July, and now it's like Christmas at Christmas. So fucking awesome. So exciting. I can only guess that people need a break from their screens. Mm. Um, one that doesn't involve going outside um, because, I mean, even though you could go outside, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really want to. <laughs> so um, so books were kind of a wholesome break, um, but not, not so wholesome as to be 
boring and something that you don't want to do. Um, so that was, yeah, that was very exciting, I think, um, because we kind of thought, oh, this might be the end of a very precarious in- industry. This might just like finish us off. But actually, it's been an amazing year for books, for book sales, for authors. So yay, Kia Kaha Books. Yeah. What, was, what were the most popular titles before we went into that? first lockdown that were like flying off the shelves I would say locally Owe was just such a success story yeah it was great um Honestly, I can't remember any other fucking books at this moment. <laughs> Put me on the spot. I remembered one. Um, yeah, and Owe has continued to sell really well. And I have to say, I was going to talk about Becky Manawatu later, but if you haven't read Owe yet, fucking get on it. It's so good. So, so good. And you'll feel like you're kind of part of the the book zeitgeist if you do, and you'll feel hopelessly left behind and out of it if you don't. Oh, thanks for the hot tip. <laughs> Need that. Okay, so um, thank you very much, Louisa. Definitely here. Definitely important. Present um, and correct. Which, my, the stuff that I've got to say is very, not very, actually, no, that's not true. I, the COVID was a big thing, obviously, but the highlight for me was having to say goodbye to Alex Casey and thus the real pod, the little pod that could from um, that Duncan and, and Alex and I have been hosting for... Five years. Long, long time. Aren't really you bringing it time. back? Aren't you going to bring it back? Is that a secret? Save that for predictions for 2021, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know exactly what that might look like okay. if it were to come okay. back, right. which it's not necessarily Toby, so just hold on to your horses there. I'm confident. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was emotional. The worst bit was um, we – I was actually – so I've been living in LA for a while. We'd been doing remote pods, which are fine, but there's nothing quite like being in the room together. And I'd planned to come home and do um, Alex Casey's last podcast in studio as a surprise, bust in, make her cry, have a good time. There was so much potting and scheming in advance of that. Yeah, and, and uh, if you're not familiar with the Cornies, that's a bunch of, like, real pod fans. It still blows my mind anyone ever listened to it. Uh, and, and they all, like, got together and offered to pay to fly me home so I could be there for Alex's <laughs> last Aww. podcast. It was very, all very sweet. Anyway, COVID happened. We came home anyway. No intention of staying in New Zealand. We've stayed in New Zealand. Um, but because of lockdown, we had to do our final podcast via Zoom. So it's like all, all super remote, not even Alex and I in the same yeah, room. Yeah, super, super remote. And um, weirdly, I, I, I did it from Stephen Tyndall's wardrobe at his holiday house. Wait, what? Yeah, I think you're going to have to explain that one. <laughs> or, or not, or leave it hanging I was going to leave it I quite like it just hanging. Uh, yeah. No, we'll talk about that off mic. That sounds terrible. No, it sounds really incriminating. Um, I broke into his house and <laughs> had got a podcast. What, what can I say? Uh, so that was can my you low light. Board? <laughs> yeah. Um, nice, yeah, good callback. Okay, so my highlight um, for this year, aside from getting a job at the lovely Good Ship spinoff, uh, was nailing our first grown-up podcast and coming home. So um, we had an external producer come in and make us sound really super fancy. And Duncan and I put together a podcast with the help of a lot of other people, and um, and it went to number one on the Apple Podcast chart yeah. and stayed there like for a week, and it was very exciting. So that was yeah, that was a really nice moment. Oh, yeah. can, I, can I just jump in? Because there's no real pod, there's no there's no roundup of the highlights and the lowlights in popular culture, and I just wanted to quickly address TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about TikTok? What's your handle? Can't wait for this my, one take. I, I don't know. It's like Ben seven eight seven six two three or something. Right. And <laughs> I, I've, I, I did a deep dive to try and understand oh, it. God. Right. And like 
I'm glad you didn't go to OnlyFans. Without wanting to sound rude, I'm very famous, right? I'm like New Zealand's number one centre right. Maybe maybe New Zealand's number one political commentator. Like I'm on I'm on TV. I'm on radio. Um, What's this got to do with TikTok? Well, I, I was like just talking through, and there, and there was this twenty-year-old girl who does like law at Auckland Uni, and she wasn't even dancing or anything. She was just like, now I'm eating a smoothie, now I'm drinking a smoothie or whatever. Now I'm driving to my sister's house. She had twenty thousand fans. I've only got like six thousand followers on on Twitter. What the hell? Yeah, and that's it. That's your that's your take. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 what's your big going on? Culture like, take of the year. The, like, that's your insight into the popular culture of New Zealand is. <laughs> not enough people like you. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is up with the teams? <laughs> like, you know what, honestly, we don't know how you feel about when you don't see yourself represented in <laughs> 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 so It's a huge failure for the team of five million not to acknowledge Ben Thomas correctly. Um, I'll tell you who else is not represented in the media enough. And before we get onto our heroes and villains, I would like Tina Tiller to get on the microphone, Yay! please. Yes, Hi, everybody. <laughs> Tina is, has been, for years and years, quietly sitting behind the production desk as we have all chatted into the microphone and got all the glory that comes with being a spin-off podcaster. And she's just sat there and listened to all the rubbish and then edited all the rubbish and, um, and pressed the buttons and made everyone sound good. Oh. Uh, and just been a delight to have in the studio. So... Tina, you're behind the mic now. There's someone else behind the desk. You're making me blush with Stop. all this, all this sweet talking. I want to know low lights and highlights of the year for you. Uh, my low, ah, uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a thing. Highlight, low light <laughs> would be lockdown. Bless you all, but having to switch up a pod system in a day is not the one. <laughs> Bless Are you saying you didn't enjoy staying up till 1.30 in the I morning mean, trying to get Ben Thomas and his Mountain Dew fueled rantings? Chip thing. I mean, I loved it. I was intoxicated. Wasn't it an illegal trip across town to deliver yeah. Ben headphones? I, it, well, look, uh, that was, not, in, that was in the second lockdown. It's and not it was illegal, an, it's an essential service. It's right. an essential exactly media right. service. With his 6K followers, but... My highlight was also, I really flourished in lockdown, I'm not going to lie. Like, Yeah, you did. You grew some um, lovely plants. I really I got into gardening. I feel like most people got into gardening. You know, houseplants, things. Um, Roller skates. Oh, yes, yeah, started skating. Oh, although I did spend a lot of money on, like, an MS synthesizer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to ask how that's going. Oh, it's not going. <laughs> it's so bad. I tried to do a tutorial the other day. It was terrible. Still there's, waiting on that new updated Paper Cuts theme song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely a story in where everyone's hobbies are at now, post-lockdown. <laughs> Curious to know how that knitting's going. Um, okay, we're going to move on to our heroes and villains. Oh, do we, we got low light? We got, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Low light, lockdown, High light, highlight, plants. also lockdown. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tina. It's so nice to, to have your voice on the podcast. Thanks, Tina. Okay. Thanks, Tina. Oh, yeah. Heroes and villains. Let's do it, Duncan. Uh, hero is uh, Sinead Boucher, the CEO and now whole owner of Stuff, who during, a, during lockdown one, I think, uh, Basically, like an under extreme duress with NZME sort of baying to be 
handed it um, by the government, coolly bought stuff, you know, huge company, a thousand employees, a ton of newspapers, biggest website, uh, biggest locally originated website in the country for the princely sum of $1 and proceeded to really kind of, you know, reorientate it and, and give it a, 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 a real sense of being a New Zealand company and not a sort of unloved part of an Australian one. Um, they started memberships. They quit Facebook, uh, quit, quit posting to Facebook, which was like an internationally sort of significant move. Um, they did the apology, which was just kind of a major and very bold initiative. Um, Black Hands, which, which started out as a podcast, became a, one of the year's highest rated TV shows and a book. And the, just the whole sense of sort of purpose and energy around the organisation really... Uh, elevated and um, and I think you know this doesn't mean that any of that stuffs or the media's challenges are gone, but I think there there was something really impressive about the way that uh, she ran uh, that organisation. Villain, uh, we've had the, the the government's response to to COVID nineteen largely given and rightly given. Uh, the rave reviews because God, it's good to be able to do this in a room and not imagine trying to record this on Zoom. That's a special kind of help. <laughs> but I do think that it's, um, in general, its policy towards media and the lack of coherence to it has been an issue. Um, as, as Louisa referred to, there, there was the, the sort of essential services line, which you know, part of Bowers' collapse was down to magazines and community newspapers not being deemed essential, the only item in the supermarket that wasn't. Um, the... Concert FM debacle, which was known about and then just backtracked from, even though it's basically RNZ just trying to solve its uh, long-running kind of demographic problems. The RNZ TV and Z merger, which has been just sort of floating forever. Second tranche of media funding, the Māori media shift. There's just been a lot of things that have been announced and not happened. And this is, a, as this year's showed, a, a really vitally important sector. And it's not even like... The sector requires, you know, a huge amount of assistance, but the the, the the amount of engagement that's happened versus the amount of kind of clarity and forward um, guidance that, that exists has been quite, um, I guess, just exhausting. And what I would say is that the signs are that now that it might be that a number of things are, are ultimately traceable back to New Zealand first, uh, just kind of shambolic uh, you know, role in the, the last government and there are tentative signs that we might be getting something a lot more, you know, uh, coherent and, and strategic uh, in future. So hopefully we see that. But but there was a lot of just just a kind of a big, a lot of mess in, in 2020. Judith. Ben. As... As I think we covered earlier in politics, the two, you know, really triumphant <laughs> events were the COVID response um, at a health, you know, and a policy and a public level, and also Labour just wiping the floor with everyone else in their sort of glorious re-election. Um, one person who can take, uh, you know, who, who could partake in both of those uh, was my hero of the year, which is Dr. Aisha Virel, Dr. The Honourable Aisha Virel. Um, she was an important critical voice during the health response. Um, a lot of people now, 
you know, seem to take it as red. We look back with kind of, uh, we look back and we see that everything kind of turned out okay, you know, to this point, you know, touch wood. Um, and we think that that was sort of manifest destiny, that everyone was always in control, that the government was always making the right decisions. Actually, it's been the result of an iterative process where there have been a lot of fuck-ups made and there have been a lot of people holding the government to account, making sure that things are patched up, that bad procedures are improved um, and that, you know, sort of negligence is addressed. Um, as we saw with the report that was released this week, it hasn't all been taken care of, but uh, Aisha Varel was was pretty crucial to that in terms of the contact tracing, which is the, the really important part. You know, once we've got the border reasonably secured, it's a matter of, you know, being able to clamp down on outbreaks like the Auckland outbreak as quickly mm. as possible. And we have her to thank for a lot of that, for being, you know, actually a slightly dissident voice, mm. which wouldn't have been easy for her because at the time she was an appointed Labour Party, um, an elected rather Labour Party official on the... Um, Wellington uh, and Capital Coast District Health Board. And since then, since her good work then, she stood for Parliament on the list. She's been made a Cabinet Minister in her first term, which is sort of Stephen Joyce kind of territory, pretty unheard of. Um, so she's managed to sort of... <laughs> she's she's managed to be <laughs> the big winner in, in both of those areas. You missed year. out an important part of that timeline, which was after the report and before her standing for Labour, Ben Thomas called <laughs> repeatedly vociferously on the Gone by Lunchtime podcast for her to be, uh, you know, hustled into Parliament and, and, and made a Minister of the Crown. Oh. Is that not the case? Oh. Yeah. Well Those, done, Ben. Yeah. Well done. I mean, this, his, his this, is what all, this is what all these TikTok teens are missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they're they're seeing, well, they're this, seeing the somebody do the WAP dance for the 8,000th time. The WAP dance. They're missing dance. out on important like, have you tried political that, intelligence though? like this. Exactly. Have you tried delivering your message via WAP dance? dance. dance. <laughs> Maybe wearing a thotty outfit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something to politics. think about. I saw Aisha. <laughs> I saw Aisha Varel recently, and she's the, all of the interest from Ben Thomas had her concern that he may be plotting to kidnap her. Oh. That's, <laughs> wow. That's heavy. Shit. Let's start. Uh, Toby, now's a good time to <laughs> my uh, my heroes, the people for the the, the spinoff honors board. Uh, two people who were elected in their constituencies despite the doubters and the predictions and they were Rawiri Waititi and Chloe Swarbrick, um, both of whom just really performed out of the box um, and in their respective cases did a lot for both of their parties, for the Māori Party, which now has two MPs and is a proper force to be reckoned with once more. In the case of the Greens, Chloe Swarbrick just did something mind-blowing and historic by winning Auckland Central, um, despite all the effort that went behind the Labour candidate, Helen White, and uh, a lot of people didn't think that could happen, and so that was in, a, in an election campaign that was not full of excitement, it's fair to say. Those two really uh, swam against the tide, and well done them. On the, Are we doing the Dishonour Board too? Or are we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, that that uh, that that place goes to Jerry Brownlee, who, in our summary of the epic national year, we omitted to mention that day that 
Jerry Brownlee seeded a whole lot of conspiracy theories and basically fed into the disinformation narrative that is so toxic and dangerous in New Zealand and around the world by with all that, just stating facts and a series of interesting facts. It was just interesting. And it was very funny and we had a good time uh, mocking it, but it's also <laughs> obviously, I think, rightly, that was not warmly received by the New Zealand public and it's, it's something that we need to guard against quite sternly. It feels like that was... I was really impressed at New Zealand at that point because... That had been a really effective strategy internationally was like, you don't get everyone, but you get a sizable bump. Mm. Uh, and, and a lot of people who are really into the kind of conspiracy theory politics and the fact that both the media and the public will just like absolutely fuck off with that. And, you know, to, to give small credit to, to Brownlee and, and Collins, they've sort of quickly took that signal and, and you didn't really see that style again, that sort of paranoid style. It was super dangerous, but I think it reflects well on this country and its current, and you know, and it's part of why we are where we are, that they didn't uh, get any kind of political reward for yeah. that lunatic strategy. Yeah, and even at a lower level, uh, my nomination for the Dishonours Board, Jamie Lee Ross, uh, former politician, former employed person, <laughs> <laughs> man who once had a future, um, <laughs> is, you know, who... Just just an incredible, like a downward spiral to the centre of the earth. Just like any time you think that a human being can't get any lower with their political behaviour, um, it was just like, you know, falling through a ravine that went forever. Um, after he had, t you know, af after he had bizarrely taped his leader secretly, uh, made allegations about electoral fraud which ended up in him being prosecuted by the serious <laughs> fraud office. Um, he then threw his lot in with the conspiracy theorist Billy Takahika um, and tried to make hay from the, you know, the most vulnerable people in our society, you know, the people who, like Leonie said, are most vulnerable to a pandemic, um, you know, Māori and Pacifica, particularly in South Auckland, who live in crowded circumstances, who, you know, who, if the virus took off here, would be on the front line of any damage caused. Um, and, and he did it all, you know, as a kind of, you know, kind of pathetic grasping attempt to retain political relevance and still be invited on Morning Report. Um, and the country is just so much better off without him. Mm. Leonie. I mean, my heroes and villains of the year, even though, I'm, I mean, technically I'm here representing On The Rag, um, and we haven't actually put out an episode of On The Rag since February. So my big, a lot of times, the before times, February. So mine are sort of in the politics realm as well because that has been what has dominated my year, kind of culturally. Um, and my, I was thinking about my villain, and there's so many obvious ones. And Jerry Brownlee was definitely near the top of the list, but the person I've been most consistently disappointed with this year, and have probably like shade tweeted the most, is Winston Peters. And it's it's nothing to do with New Zealand First per se. It's him as a person consistently blocking movements by Tangata Whenua. And it's the fact that he is Tangata Whenua that hurts so flippin' much. He's not just some clueless white guy. You know, he's a Māori man 
with status out here blocking a resolution at Ihumatau, putting down the Black Lives Matter protesters as, as if what they're doing is meaningless. And, like, no one has made me angrier. So he's my number one villain for the year, regardless of his politics. It's those two things alone that have made my blood boil. But then on the nice side, the, my, my honours board, and I'm going to split it into two, the first one is Debbie Ngari Wapaka, and not even just in her role as the Māori Party co-leader, going back to when the pandemic first hit, her work in protecting her people in South Taranaki was so visible, it was so grassroots, she was on the ground, she was the first person having that conversation with her um, with her local council who really hadn't considered that anyone in their constituency might be more at risk than anyone else. And then she took that conversation further out and further out and further out until she was having conversations with government about what the heck they were going to do to protect Māori. And at every level, the answer was, oh, we haven't thought about that yet. So she, I think, was a real catalyst in making that a priority, um, to the point that in the second lockdown, where Māori and Pacifica were more at risk because the outbreak was in South Auckland, I think she's the reason that they were more prepared for that, because she had asked them to be more prepared for that. Um, and then my second one is um, Fili Fipulea Tapua'i, um, who's the young woman from, who's the head girl from Aurere College, who has just been, also been very visible this year. And again, it's because her leadership is, it starts in her community, and it just happens to have sort of gotten a profile this year because she's very good in media for someone that young. And she's just graduated her last year and she won every scholarship going and every leadership award. And she just remains, like, hilarious and humble on her social media. And I just really think that kind of a... a she's not precocious, do you know what I mean? Like, her leadership is for and of her generation and her community. It's not about pretending to be an adult, which is mm. why I like it so much when she tells off adults over climate change and that conversation with James Shaw, which she talks about in the very good profile on the spin-off by Michelle Langston. I recommend everyone reading that. It's a really great um, sketch of a future leader, but who currently is just a leader in the way that she should be for some of her age, which I think is totally extraordinary. You're a hero, Leonie. I love nothing more than an impassioned Leonie Hayden moment <laughs> behind the microphone. Um, and Give like, me a monopod. And just, uh, just on the back of, oh, yeah. um, of, of that recommendation to read that article, can I just recommend you read every article on the spin-off? <laughs> Listen to all the podcasts. Every single one. Every one. I mean, what are you doing over summer? Not much. Yeah. Stay inside. Stay out of the sun. <laughs> look at your computer for hours and hours on end. And, um, yeah, replay all those podcasts, all the video content. Click through to the sponsors. Thank you very much. And sign up to become a member as well. Yeah, that'd be good. Can you see everything on the spinoff and then let us know, let us know what you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toby at the spinoff.co.nz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, your, your heroes and villains, um, your honours honors list. Yeah, mine is sort of less... Less human form. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not Stanley. Okay. I was thinking oh, about Stanley, my dog. Stanley. He is a hero, but he's nothing to do with the food and drink section, sadly. Disagree. True. <laughs> uh, the hero, it is a tie between seltzer and oat milk. 
both had oh, fucking yeah. huge, yeah. huge, yeah. big twenty twenties. Just come out of no, I don't know why they're so popular. It's, I kind of get. Have you ever combined them? Delicious. Yeah, soap, soap, no, that sounds so uh, gross. But we should soap slur. Yeah, so twenty twenty one. I'm intrigued. So. Do you personally uh, like both of those things? No. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, can I ask what is self what is seltzer? That is a big question that no one really knows. <laughs> it's bubbly, right? Bubbly I mean water? It's, it tradition- Isn't it just like alcoholic <laughs> trying to make RTD yeah, cool? Much. It's trying to make RTD cool. I think and Matthew McCauley will talk at length about this, but in America it became like it was brewed. Like the alcohol was something brewed from sugar, then then it was like it became. But now I think oh, it's so just it was like, like naturally carbonated. Yeah, but now and it's it, like and it's low carb as well. I think so. It's now it's just so if you're watching your figure during the third lockdown, yeah. <laughs> which is my aspiration this time, you drink seltzer. Yeah, but yeah. often I think it's just like fizzy pop with booze in it. You know, it's an RTD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> and, but oat uh, milk is genuinely good, Ella. So oh, yeah, no, like oat milk, creamy and oat delicious milk is and also good. good for the and plant. I support the the popularity of oat milk. I still drink cow milk, I'm sorry, but I like oat milk. It's good. I do too, Ella. It's very Swedish. Me too. By the glass. I can't seem to get into <laughs> the porridge Old milk. school. Is I it a bit porridgey? Because it sounds porridgey. Well, it is a bit porridgey. Did you not read our extensive didn't, taste test? Didn't Just, read a word of it. So, well, hmm. There was some references to porridge. You can do porridge. that over summer, too. <laughs> <laughs> what Send I don't like about oat milk is that it's all made in Sweden, and Duncan and I have had this conversation because he's like, food miles are bullshit, it doesn't even matter. And I'm like, well, I just don't like the vibe of it. Yeah. Anyway. Vibes are way more important than whatever Duncan thinks. Yeah. yeah, I've got objectionable opinions. amazing. <laughs> I've got through this podcast without <laughs> cancelling myself. Um, my villain, which I feel like we kind of forgot about, around the lockdowns, everyone was hating on this thing a lot. Uber Eats, remember? Oh. And now everyone's kind of forgotten that they suck and it's like, oh, Uber Eats. They, it yeah. did, though, didn't it show a bit how it was harder than it seemed when lots of yes. people went, hey, you know what, we're going to do a local version and, and we're going to get everyone on board and it turned out it was a bit more yeah. than a Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, so Uber Eats is know. very user-friendly for the mm. restaurant and the diner, but it also takes a very large cut from the restaurant mm. and did not give cut any slack during I've noticed lockdown. that a lot more places are basically just putting up their prices 30% mm. for yeah, Uber Eats. To, yeah. It's probably good. I, mean, I think that's the most. Yeah. Yeah. But it just it does suck that to, to be giving that money to, to Uber. Can I just nominate one more? I'm yeah. completely outside yeah. of Paul Reid. Uh, he is the landlord oh, of... Yeah. Uh, a number of places, a former Shortland Street Marshall. star. Yeah, yeah. Marshall yeah, from Shortland Street. Don't bury the Rubicon. Rubicon. Um, yeah, yeah, Bruce, Rubicon. who would call you know, it's very anti Bruce as a name guy. But also um, the first red flag. Yeah, he he was he, but what I'm now, I'm now blanking on the name of the Elliot um, Stables. Elliot Stables, which Michael Andrew from The Smell did some great reporting on this year. Just he I mean, in some ways he's just representative of a, a particularly callous class of people who uh, just, just kind of had no mercy or sympathy towards their tenants. But um, you know, just enforcing personal guarantees on struggling small business mm. owners uh, when you have just an enormous array of massive assets. Paul Reed, my honest yeah, opinion is that he's a knob end. There's a whole lot. I mean, just just throw some names out there. Hoppers, that's on the dishonest Ooh, board. Yeah. Um, 
Is, is this your honest opinion? Jim Harry. Is that because of the mega party, or is that just because of those weird fucking do portraits not, of do not, cats? Do and not read the spinoff. No, no, it means asking, Hate is it those. just shit because it's shit, or oh. is it shit because it's also. Uh, Shit. Patriots of Ponsonville. Look, as I said the other day, which was controversial, it's got good beer. <laughs> but it also has literally the worst aesthetic of any bar in Auckland, yeah. on top of allegedly treating their staff terribly. It's like a Harry Potter bar or something. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. All right, Simon, are you, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I was quickly within my mandate, the West Auckland liquor trusts are a pain in my ass because, as I mentioned before, uh, pubs are a great place to meet and socialise mm-hmm. and I live out in Titarangi with the little boys it's hard to go places and the you trust got I do <laughs> <laughs> coming up on a year he's got, no, he's got nowhere to park his car and leave them <laughs> but uh, the West Auckland is, has literally no good places to have a beer the RSAs are a you know a different beast and they're always fun but fuck the West Auckland liquor trust but um, outside my mandate, I became very passionate about the cannabis referendum and did a little bit of advocacy around it and some, you know, some talks and things like that. And my up villain some on uh, that is Jacinda Ardern for um, refusing to uh, tell us what she was going to do, refusing to back something that felt so naturally within her. Uh, political space that could have had such a positive effect on so many people in New Zealand and then to come out afterwards and I understand, I understand the compromise that that would have made for the uh, the party vote but I don't know, it feels like you should do the things you believe in for the right reasons but uh, she didn't mm-hmm. my, uh, my honours board my hero is the sausage <laughs> um <laughs> Over during lockdown, I had uh, a whole bunch of sausages in the freezer, and you can get a sausage and you can take it so many different places. It's a brick. It's a brick. Like to the pub. <laughs> well, you can take it to Italy. You can take it to Thailand. Like it, the sausage is a vehicle right for all sorts of shit. Uh, and flying a sausage around the world. Put it in your hand luggage. <laughs> sausage seven ways. Book it. But it's own. You can have it for breakfast. Plane. You can have it for lunch, and you can have it for dinner. Like emptying it out of its casing is a real power move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can put it on a pizza. You can ha- turn it into meatballs. You can make it into lab. You can put it in oh. a sandwich. Like a sausage is just a super useful, always delicious. Have at least twelve in your freezer at all times. Yeah. What's, your, what's your top way to serve a sausage? Yes. My favourite way to serve a sausage is on as a pizza topping. So you Crum- crumbled up, taken out, take out of the case. Oh, yeah. Crumble up, briefly fry it, and then cook it on top of the pizza. I feel like that combined with your um, your comment about a lack of good places to eat and drink. In West Auckland, I'm feeling like a Simon's sausage establishment Could just out come west. To my house. Simon's, Simon's sausage, sausage. <laughs> Simon's shop. Anyway, <laughs> that might be a prediction for 2021. Mm. Um, yeah, Louisa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so the villain for this year. I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of villains in the book world. We're generally quite a, a gentle. I'm gonna have gentle. To, I'm gonna have to push you for a villain. <laughs> oh, oh, but I do have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's funny. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, villain, I've got Pete Evans, who oh, um, yeah. formerly of MKR, um, currently some kind of weird crossover between Australian celebrity chef and kind of like Jared Leto-esque cult leader. Um, so he... I mean, I'm a little bit hazy on the details because I had to scramble to come up with a villain and I had been deliberately ignoring this man for many years, but... You chose a good one. Thank you, thank you. He posted a symbol used by neo-Nazis on his Facebook page and so he is the villain. He's become increasingly disgusting and has generally been dispensing some very, very dubious Mm. health and nutrition advice. Mm. So, in many ways, a villain. The heroes are the bookstores that have banned his books from their shelves. So that includes... Yay! So that... That includes The Warehouse. It includes Paper Plus. I know, right? There's some little surprise murmurs. And and that's because, you know, it's nice when corporations actually, like, show some responsibility. He's just asking questions. (laughs) (laughs) And um, But also wanted to shout out uh, a new bookstore in Wellington called Good Books, um, started by um, Catherine Robertson and Jane. Oh, my God. What is Jane's last name? Lovely Jane. Lovely Jane is my last name. Jane Arthur. Yes. Um, They have kind of come up with a really full stance of we are not going to support fascist authors. And um, there's actually a great piece on the spinoff that you guys can discover in your... Summer trawl through the entire archive of the spinoff. Where do they stand on turfs? Where do they stand on turfs? I'm pretty. Ah, that would be tricky because you know there's a really well-known turf called J.K. Rowling, and I'm not sure. Like, I think they did. I think that's what that piece says. Oh shit. are not stopping. That's a real loss in revenue. Now that is now that is a strong stance. So those are my heroes and villains. Thanks, Louisa. I think it's Um, really interesting to see the way that Pete Evans has gone from quite hot. It looks like so shit. Oh yeah, now. I got to have a picture of him here. Of a sausage, but, um, in a lot of ways. <laughs> the red face and the blue eyes. Yeah. I mean, we're all quite red at this moment, but that's because we're in a really hot room. But yeah, he looks terrifying. Yeah, and, and he is. Uh, he's. Are they married? Married to Nikki Watson, Nikki yeah. Robinson, yeah. whatever her name is. I feel like we need to talk more about that. Not right now. But no, 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 not now. It's a whole other <laughs> pod. <laughs> there used to um, be the real pod for that. Story. Yeah, there yeah. did used to be the real pod for but that. She's, stuff. she's really only got eyes for her horse. If you follow her on oh, Instagram, true. she's not really married to Pete even. She's married to her horse. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what to say. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, my, my hero is an unlikely hero, uh, Amog from The Bachelorette. You've cast your mind oh back to oh, yeah. That's yeah. really yeah. unlikely. Hero. Hero. Very unlikely hero. Was I'm surprised. We had this conversation last week. It, it was so difficult to believe that The Bachelorette was this year. Yeah. yeah. But it was. And Amog, Aaron... Uh, who who was vying for um, Lucina's heart was my hero because he was such good television. <laughs> he true. sang on the telly. He told her he'd already figured out what their reception first dance was going to be. This is on their like oh. their first, like their second date or something. <laughs> so then he sick. sang the song. Uh, he he told her he was falling in love with her on the second date, and then he did fall in love with her, and then he got heartbroken, uh, and it was all extremely humiliating and. I'd feel bad for him, except for that he's a, a bit of a dick. So I don't really feel that bad for him. And it was great television, and I loved it. And thank you, Amog. That scene <laughs> of them walking off down the beach yeah. and his loafers. I know. You, oh, it's tragic. Heartbreaking. I, I feel like the Bachelor slash Bachelorette franchise really is, that's the real gender gap in New Zealand. Because remember how, was it Hot Mike? Just, you know, as soon as Lucina didn't sort of pledge herself heart and soul to him, he was like, I'm out, I'm walking off. I'm, I'm not doing the series anymore. 
And I think there were about two or three desertions from the show. Whereas, you know, <laughs> during the um, shit, what was the guy's name? With the Jordan series yeah. of the Bachelor, Bachelor, they all stayed the whole way through. They didn't want to. No, they didn't want to, but they still, they still <laughs> like <laughs> kept in there the whole time. I'm like, yeah, I really love Jordan to choose me. And <laughs> it's sort of, and and like that just really Did shows up a disparity. Stay? I think that just sums up the life of, of the woman. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben Thomas, 186275. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, and my, my villain, Simone Anderson. Uh, for some stuff that I'm not going to say because I don't want her to take me to court, uh, but also for passing off frozen grapes in a recipe book <laughs> that people have to pay actual money for. It's not a recipe. I like it. <laughs> I love fro- I hate some I know, I that's fine, but you don't need to buy a recipe book to be told how to put f- grapes. There's a two-page spread on how to put grapes in a freezer. Yeah, but I don't know if I'd know about it otherwise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you wow. can serve frozen grapes as a dessert when you have people over. Did like you that. not know about frozen... If, if, okay, even if you... Would you buy the book? For that, no, but I've because there's also of the book, a lot of platter making in there. There's a lot of platter making, assembling, making is a big, yeah. Isn't it's a great, really, when you think of it a bit like a fruit sausage? It's got the, <laughs> 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 the fruit sausage sounds awesome. Well, there's the dessert <laughs> menu, you, your fruit sausage, We're <laughs> fruit sausages, for dessert. <laughs> Tina, do you have any heroes and villains you want to mention? Um, I have one hero. Oh, actually, yeah, I got a villain. Villain is it AT for putting up like signage outside the spin-off <laughs> office, mate? Like pa- timed parking. Timed oh, parking. Yeah. Get in the bin, would you? Like patrolling with your hat, like good sun safety. But just get out of here. I got sh- I got shit to do. All right. Um, and my hero <laughs> for the year is my new, not sponsored. Samsung flip top phone. <laughs> Honestly, it's bloody great. Although there's a crease in it, so if you're, if you're looking to buy it, maybe just. I don't know about that. Maybe get the insurance. I didn't get the insurance, but honestly, <laughs> sex anywhere, it's a great time. And did a solid job of taking the staff photo at our Christmas party. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, really, it really does. It's its own tripod, right? It's, exactly. It's, it's, I hope Samsung's it's worth, it's worth the money. Yeah. Hire me. Or something. I don't know. But yeah, that's my hero. Don't hire her. We need it. Don't hire me. <laughs> I just wanted to submit an extra hero, which is Tina Tiller. Yay! Just sucking up, but also, like, for real, like, you edited out the bird sound from our lockdown pods <laughs> most yes. of the time, <laughs> so beautifully, um, and you were so patient, and, yeah, big big shout out to you. Yeah, Thank girl. you. And in case you don't know, Tina also does um, lots of the lovely images that you see on the spinoff, including all the podcast feature images. So thanks, T. You're amazing, and we love you. And we're so happy to have you behind the mic, as I said before. Okay, Um, I'm just going to throw this one wide open because I don't know if everyone's got predictions for 2021, but if you do, speak up. What do you think is going to happen next year? The first oat milk seltzer hybrid <laughs> beverage available on, on the spin-off merch site. Yeah, yeah. Simon, o- Simon opens a sausage shop. Yeah, yeah. there's a, a porridge sausage that uh, also can make milk out of it. It's disgusting. Ooh, really, really getting worse far. and worse. I think Simon Day has triplets. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was at a. Um, my annual bender with the lads on oh, Saturday. Lads, 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 lads. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the guys who organiz- organized so it got a fortune teller. 
and apparently I'm going to conceive in July. Wow. Triplets. So, so it's going to be triplets. <laughs> Amazing. Wait until you get that your own self. <laughs> Anyone else? I mean, I Toby blew it, but I predict that the real pod might make a, a return in 2021 in some form. Yeah, that's my prediction. Okay. Yay. Uh, mine's really boring and, and earnest, but I, I think that um, New Zealand might finally sort of start some process of reckoning with big technology properly and its, uh, its sort of tax and social impact uh, in, in 2021 following the the uh, antitrust stuff in, in the US and the ACCC stuff in Australia, I think, whether it's a digital services tax or something else, you know, that it's just kind of free political money and you've got absolute power and why not? So, um, yeah. It's real serious. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the lols? <laughs> media, it's very dry and boring. At least ben, that's, that's like the way I make it. Ben, I feel like you've got things to say. Me? Yeah. No, Come on, make a prediction. Okay. Um... <laughs> I think that our beloved ginormous majority government Labour will find that it's hard being number one um, and that it'll be tough fending off attacks from the left with the Greens, from Tao Māori, from the Māori Party, from the centre-right and from wherever act are coming from. So, yeah, I, I think that it could be a torrid year ahead for them. Mm. We're going to excerpt that in the promos for this podcast as, quote, it's hard being number one. Ben Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else want to throw something in there? My prediction was going to be that the Māori Party is going to fuck shit up for this government next year in a good way, which I'm quite looking forward to. Unless, there, unless there's a big clash in caucus. I feel like it's a so, big, you know. bold yeah. call to make predictions for 2021, yeah. and I, yeah. I'd prefer to keep my hindsight on 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I think we're going to see the New Zealand cricket team go to the final of the World Test Championship, and you're going to see uh, the Offspin podcast uh, resurrected. Mm. Very excited wow. to have uh, Alex Bray back in the room and um, get some mad sponsorship money. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Five, have a meeting. five day sleepless podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. I've been, like, it, it turned out that the Cricket World Cup was this really great training for having children, staying up all night and then going to work. Oh, yeah. yeah. And weeping uncontrollably <laughs> at unforeseen events. <laughs> Long periods of tedium punctuated by something exciting happening, like... Like a giant shit. Is that the podcast? And on that note, uh, I, my, my final prediction is that at this, on this exact day next year, um, it will also be uh, Alice Neville's birthday again. Happy birthday, Alice! Yay. And that's it. Hey, thank you all so much for listening. Um, I want to just quickly say a few thanks. Thanks to everyone who's come along here to share today. Thank you to Jonathan for recording us. This is his debut. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. So excited to have Jonathan join uh, the spin-off podcasting team and um, we're all going to sound way better than we have done in the past in 2021 another prediction uh, thank you thank you Tina thank you to all our sponsors Kiwi Bank Freedom Farms Flick Electric Callahan Innovation Vodafone and Nando's thank you to Alice Webb all who's also helped out behind the desk there uh, to Lucy for so much organisation and just being lovely and, and also providing snacks and drinks which is also excellent thank you to the spin-off members uh, and yeah, thank you to you guys for listening. And just shout out Simon Pound and Business is Boring. Uh, he's not here, but he comes in every week and he does his thing and it's a great little podcast. Thank you all. Hope you all have a great Christmas, a great New Year's, and we will see you in 2021. Thank you, Jamie.
from the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.